Welcome to the Faith Today podcast. I'm Bill Fladeris. And I'm Alana Reimer from Love is Moving. Our guest on today's podcast is George Guthrie, a professor of New Testament at Regent College and the author of a book called A Short Guide to Reading the Bible Better. That sounds like an interesting title. What stood out as you were reading the book, Bill? He talks a lot about how we need help to understand the Bible. We need to recognize that it's from a different time and place. And really, if we want to understand it well, it helps to have some good study materials on the side to understand things in the historical context that they're originally written in. I would say one other thing is that he also talks about the importance of making Bible reading a habit and that everybody can do this if we can just spend 15 minutes a day or whatever, that that makes a huge difference in people's lives. Sometimes we just, we don't face that is actually a very important practice. Hmm. I've kind of gone on and off personally in my own life with doing that. And I do find switching translations can sometimes help just kind of liven things up and see things from a different perspective. But I also feel like it's interesting and I'd be curious what you're seeing in your own sort of spheres, in your own family, in your own church about people's interactions with scripture and how that's changed. Because I feel like with how exposed we are to digital media and so many other ways of engaging with scripture, I really do wonder how many people are actually reading the Bible versus listening to it. Actually, I have an app called Dwell that it's designed for people who would prefer to listen. I think there is a text version, but it's, it's designed to be an audio app. What has that looked like? Have you seen some of those shifts, Phil? Yeah, I think I know some of my relatives, one who drives a lot, they have the Bible in a recorded version and then they just listen to it when they're driving. So that's something that, you know, wouldn't have happened 20 years ago very much. It's important that we have those different kinds of ways to access the Bible because there are so many different people with so many different ability levels in terms of reading. Not everyone is a scholar, not everyone is interested in the historical commentary kind of stuff. So I think George's main point is just that everybody can find their own way, but we all need to sort of encourage each other to be intentional about it, and then also to share it with other people in our Christian community. Well, it sounds like he's got some good tips to help us navigate that good habit and and maybe make some better habits. You're right. I think our listeners are going to enjoy this one. So George, I read that you moved to Vancouver in 2018 after something like 30 years in Tennessee. Is life in British Columbia turning out to be what you thought or is it all so overshadowed by the pandemic that you don't really have a sense of that? Oh, that's a great question. My wife and I made a surprising move here later in life. We're in our early 60s. And it was just a a sense that the Lord was moving us to a place where we would be able to walk with grad students and their families. The surprising thing was we knew that coming to Vancouver and the West Coast, we would hit kind of a secular wall that we weren't used to in Tennessee. But the thing that's been amazing has been this is like the mission field of the world just come right here. So we've had lots of opportunities to build relationships with people who are not yet believers. So in addition to having students around our table all the time, which we were anticipating, we also have 
people who are not yet believers around our table a lot. So there were some things about coming to BC that we anticipated. I knew this is a beautiful place. I'm a fly fisherman. This is one of the best fisheries in the world. Okay. Uh, but we weren't expecting some of the kinds of opportunities that we've had here, and it's been wonderful. It's been really a great experience. So it hasn't been totally shut down for you over the pandemic, or the pandemic is enough behind you now that you can do that kind of hospitality stuff? Yeah, the pandemic is waning. We still see times when people are cautious. So if I go speak at a Chinese church, for instance, a lot of times everybody in the room has a mask on still. But at the college, for the most part, we are back to normal and we uh, have some classes on Zoom and hybrid, that type of thing. But the pandemic was hard. You know, it was hard on all of us, hard on people in the churches, hard on pastors. So it was not the way we wanted to do education because Regent is very much about life on life. It's about doing education in community, which is embodied, you know, uh, being people who are together. So that wasn't what we anticipated, but thankfully, it, it does seem like we've made the transition and we're moving now back into more normal mode. Let's move on to talk about your new book. You've got a new book out from B&H Books. It's called A Short Guide to Reading the Bible Better. So I read it, and there's a quote that struck me near the beginning that I wanted to ask you about. Uh, here's what the quote says. Scripture is the word of God written for the people of God so they might know him and live out his mission in the world. Can you maybe unpack that for us just a little bit? What were you thinking of when you wrote that? It sounds kind of like a nice little pithy summary. Yeah, Here, here's my basic idea behind the book, is if God has really spoken into the world, you know, if, if revelation, what we call revelation as, as Christians, is true, that the God of the universe has spoken into the world in ways that we can know him and understand what he's up to in the world and what, what he has in mind for us, then there is nothing more important in life than to hear what God would say to us. And I mean that very literally. There's nothing more important than having that as the foundation of how we live and who we are and what we're doing in our day-to-day -day lives. So the scriptures were written in normal places and times and ways. So God chose human language as a vehicle for communicating with us as human beings. Uh, I think it was Calvin who said that God has condescended to talk baby talk to us. Right. You know, he's gotten down on our level to communicate with us like we as human beings communicate. But what that means is that we're going to have to deal with the scriptures on the terms that God has inspired those scriptures, which is in human language. So if you and I are communicating today, there are certain ways that that communication works. We understand words. We understand context. We know what a question is like because we understand how human language works. Well, in the ancient world, there are things that are very familiar to us in terms of the way language works, but then there are also some types of literature and things like that that we have to unpack a bit to hear them well. So the basic idea is that God has spoken to us as his people. The scriptures were written to original audiences, but ultimately written for the people of God. God knew that he was communicating in a way that would have an impact on his people throughout the ages. So we need to figure out what it means to hear 
God's words well so that we can respond to them and not just read our own sense or meaning into what we think God is saying to us. Okay. So this book in particular, this new book of yours, is written for new Christians and people that are new to the Bible. So I was trying to think about how many Canadians have good literacy skills. So I took a quick look on the internet and I came up with a number that seems like half of Canadians have literacy skills that fall below a high school level. Right. So I'm wondering, how do we deal with that as the Bible as a written document when not everyone is super literate? Is it realistic to tell everyone that they should be spending 15 or 30 minutes a day reading the Bible? Yeah, that's a great question. About a dozen years ago, I did a biblical literacy initiative in the United States with Lifeway and B&H. And at that time, I think only about 50% of Americans had read a book in the previous year. Most people are not readers, and that number, our statistic is going down as we move into more of a digital world, digital age. A couple of things to put that in perspective. First of all, remember that in the ancient world, literacy was lower than it is for us. So these documents of the Bible were written into context in which the literacy rates were a good bit lower than what we think of as literacy today. And at times, okay. even if people could read, they, could, they wouldn't write. Uh, writing was an, a very advanced skill in the ancient world. But what people did is they listened to texts. And that was very common. It was a culture that was oriented to orality, where people could hear things read. Uh, we have our own version of that. Now, I, I think, to answer your question, I think it is realistic to challenge people to read the scriptures a little bit a day, you know, 15 to 30 minutes a day is not much time. But to give that much time, because everybody in the room can read, it's just a matter of giving space in your life. And then as people read, they get drawn into the power and the beauty and the joy of Scripture, and that becomes transformative, and, and that encourages us to read further. So I do think it is realistic, especially if we start reading in community with others. That can be a very dynamic kind of experience. But the, the second thing I would say is that we also have audio available to us. So I know people who are not big readers, but they listen to audio all the time. So when they're walking or when they're driving to work, they can actually listen through the Bible in a year's time in just kind of plugging in version, which is one of the apps that you can get to listen to Scripture. Right. Um, and there are other, other versions of that. So I think listening is a good option for people, even though I would encourage them to try you know, making space for reading as well. We are very fortunate to be in a time where we have these things available to us, for sure. You're challenging people to read regularly. The other thing that you mentioned in your book is how important it is to understand the historical and cultural context so that we can understand what we're reading and how important it is to have a commentary to help us with that. So again, I'm thinking about people with limited literacy skills. How do we help them? Let's imagine the person who hated school and they had a hard time reading anything. And we're sort of saying, hey, you know, really to understand the Bible, you need to have a commentary. How do we help those people? Well, let me say that I think 
You know, my grandmother, who lived in western Kentucky, kind of rural western Kentucky, never picked up a commentary in her life, and yet she read the Bible regularly and was changed by it. You know, she loved the Bible. So we're not saying that you have to have advanced education. Again, remember that a lot of people in in the room when these documents were first written were people, some of them were slaves, some were, most of them in the New Testament would have been of a lower economic status than what we think of today as being normal, you know, for people in Canada. So we're not saying that you have to have an advanced degree to understand it, but Today, we do have the opportunity to pick up amazing tools that have been done, especially in the past 50 years. Evangelical publishing has just boomed. And what the publishers have done a lot of times is they have tapped people who are scholars, who are church people, who really believe in the mission of the church and love Christ and the church. And yet they've written out of their scholarly skills and abilities tools that are accessible for normal people in the church. So if you use something like a study Bible, for instance, a good study Bible, like the NIV study Bible or the CSB study Bible, NLT study Bible, these are all going to be study Bibles where scholars who believe the scriptures have written the notes at the bottom of the page. And that's a great beginning tool because it will unpack some of those historical and cultural context for you just to help you understand basically what's going on here behind the scenes. And then there are other tools that I mentioned in the book, like a backgrounds commentary, which are written probably at about a high school reading level, but they're written for people to be able to understand the historical and cultural context at a little bit greater depth. So what I would say is that if people pick up really basic tools, I would say start with a good study Bible, get a good Bible dictionary, and then kind of go from there. But begin with some basics that can help you turn the mystery of some of these historical or cultural references that we have in the Bible into something that is understandable. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I was encouraged to read that, and we'll see how how people can maybe pick that up. The other thing that really encouraged me in your book was how you started it off. Even before you started talking about reading the Bible, you wrote about the importance of having a right motivation or a right heart posture. That kind of sounded like you were basically saying anyone that's reading the Bible because they feel they should read the Bible is not going to get very far. Can you tell our listeners what you see as a better motivation? I think that we, in kind of recent times in the church, a lot of times we approach the topic of biblical literacy from the standpoint of what people are doing wrong. You know, that we're illiterate, we're not biblically informed, so we need to stuff more stuff into our heads, you know, to make sure that we understand the Bible better. And I think that that's fundamentally wrongheaded. I think that we need to start with the issue of the heart and relationship. Good Bible reading at its most basic is relational. It's relational because we have the chance to meet the God of the universe in the pages of Scripture. And God is wanting to change us in terms of our relationship with Him, and He wants us to thrive in that relationship. So you look at things like Jesus' parable of the sower in Mark 4, and the emphasis of that passage is really the condition of the heart being people who are able to hear 
the word well and to receive it in such a way that the word thrives in us. By contrast, the three soils in that parable that are the first three soils each have a problem of space in the heart and the life. So you have hard packed, you know, kind of the image of a path that's hard packed. There's no space for the word to penetrate. The shallow soil, the word gets in there and it sprouts, but it doesn't have room to thrive. And then the weedy soil obviously is being choked out because of lack of space. So the place that I begin in the book is to talk about how do we make heart space and life space so that we are people who are receptive in a rhythmic way in life to what God would want to say to us through the word. So I think that that is absolutely foundational. There have been friends in the past who were struggling, and even for myself, when I, when I am really struggling to, to settle deeply into reading the scripture, I first look at the condition of my heart. What's going on in me? Are, are there pleasures or pressures that are pushing, constricting my heart so that it's not able to hear? what God would say to me. So I think that that's absolutely foundational. Before we get into the basics, I try to give a lot of real practical help about the process of reading the Bible and tools for reading the Bible. But what I want people to understand is that it's most basic. It is relational. And that's the perspective and the posture that we need as we approach reading the Bible. I can see that would really help. I'm imagining someone who's maybe feeling like if they look at the Bible and think that's something that I should do, and that's as far as they get. So that's a hard issue of how do you move past that feeling of kind of feeling stuck or feeling maybe that your heart isn't right. Or maybe maybe there's a Christian who's read the Bible so many times, they feel like they know it pretty well. And, you know, wouldn't I be better off spending my time watching sermon videos or praying, right? How do we address those kind of heart issues? I think the thing that's wonderful about the scripture is there's a depth there that we will never fully plumb. I mean, we're not going to, we're not ever going to run out of fresh insight into what God is is saying to us. I have a PhD in New Testament. I have a, have a specific expertise in the book of Hebrews. I've written commentaries on Hebrews. But do you know that I'm still learning I mean that very literally. There have been things that I've I've learned in the past two or three years about that book that I've studied for 35 years that I've never seen before. And there's there's just a depth and a richness there that we're never going to get beyond it. And the other thing is, if this is relational, then it really means that I need to have a pattern in life by which I'm characterized in opening up my life to what God is doing in me now today, in my relationship with my wife, in my relationship with with people at work. I need a fresh word from God, if I can say it that way. You know, we we need God to be speaking into our lives constantly. That's why the Shema in Deuteronomy, which the people of Israel quoted and Jews even today will quote on a daily basis, you know, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Well, why does it then turn to how we do that? Well, these words are to be on your heart, and you're to listen to them on a daily basis when you get up, when you lie down. So the the Shema in Deuteronomy really says that being a person of the Word is all of life and all the time. It's being a person who is 
living in it. We don't get beyond it. It's not just about stuffing information into our brains. It's about living in a relationship that is an ongoing process of transformation. So I think that perspective can help people kind of get beyond the bump of saying, yeah, I've I've read this before. I've already seen this. It's more about an ongoing life experience of the living God as we open our lives up to Scripture. Yeah, thank you. I think that's really an inspiring vision, and maybe some of us have to recapture that at different times in our lives. So it's good to be encouraged about that. The other thing I wanted to ask you about, I was looking up some statistics about Bible reading in Canada, curious to see how many people actually read the Bible. So here's some statistics from a recent survey earlier this year. According to the Angus Reed Institute, about 5% of Canadians read the Bible daily, according to their survey. If you're just looking at Christians, it's about 6%. And if you're looking at evangelical Christians, it's about 39%. So do you have a sense that most people can use some help in reading and understanding the Bible? I mean, maybe that's obvious because you've written this book, but tell us a little bit about the need and where we are as a society to, you know, that most people don't read their Bible daily, even even most Christians don't. More often, probably they do, but daily they don't. Yeah, those are really interesting statistics. Thank you for that. In fact, please send me those. <laughs> sure, <laughs> if yeah, you no think problem. About it. I would love to have that source uh, because I wasn't familiar with that specific study. So it's probably different than in the United States a bit. Yeah, I mean, interestingly, the statistics about Christian, evangelical Christian, it probably balances out. I know, again, 10 or 12 years ago, it was about 16% of people who said they were Christians in the U.S. read the Bible on a daily basis. So maybe that balances out the Christian and evangelical Christian stats that you give there. You go back, you know, 60, 70 years in both the U.S. and the U.K., for instance, and I would imagine it was the same in Canada, you had a society that was more generally biblically literate, so you could make allusions to things. Right. You you go back and you, you would hear politicians allude to something in the Bible, and people generally got it because they had exposure from the broader culture. We're way beyond that now. We're, we're in a post-Christian cultural context in North America. So it shouldn't surprise us that the uh, stats are, are very low. But I think that it's encouraging in your stat that you gave that 39%, so four out of 10 Canadians who consider themselves evangelical, actually are reading the Bible on a daily basis. That's an encouraging statistic. Another statistic that's very common from the last 40 years with a bunch of different surveys that were done around the world is that the number one indicator of whether or not a person is thriving spiritually is whether or not they're reading the Bible on a daily basis. And that's been very consistent over the past 40 years in different surveys that have been done around the world that the number one indicator of whether someone's thriving spiritually is not even whether they attend church Uh, regularly, whether they go to Bible studies, the number one indicator is whether they're reading the Bible on a daily basis. Hmm. And that makes a lot of sense because if I'm in a rhythm of daily opening up my life to Scripture, then I'm going to be more open when I come to church to hearing what God would say to me through the sermon, right? So I'm going to have more of a pattern of life that is open to the things of God. I don't think our goal in the church should be that you know, we want to have like 100% perfection with everybody reading the Bible on, on a daily basis. 
But I do think that what we need is to move to a mentality in the church where it is normal to train people how to read the scripture effectively. It's really a striking thing. I've said this to to pastors for years. We hold up the Bible and we say, this is the basis for everything we do in the church. This is the basis for everything in your life. You really need to read this on a regular basis and good luck with Leviticus. I hope that goes well for you. You know, um, so so what we do is we kind of hold the Bible up and we say, this is the foundation of everything, but we don't give people basic, basic training in how to read it effectively. So we, we put in their hands this body of ancient literature and we just expect people to be able to intuitively pick it up. And they can. There are lots of parts of the Bible that we can read and, and kind of immediately get. But especially when you begin dealing with secular people, like I've had interactions with people here who are friends who are not yet believers, they don't know anything about anything. We had a, had a neighbor who was over for Advent after we first got here, lady my age, Canadian, professional, and we had Advent readings in the evenings, and I asked her, I said, uh, Valerie, would you be open? I'm, we have a tradition in our family that we read scripture before our meal during Advent. Would that be okay? She said, oh, that would be beautiful. So I said, well, I'm going to be reading from the Old Testament. Do you understand the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament? And she said, well, actually, I've never heard those terms before. Wow. So here was a person who was a professional, well-educated Canadian who had never even heard the terms Old Testament and New Testament before. So as those kind of people come into the church, we've got to give them help in how to settle into reading the Bible effectively. And that's really what this little book was developed for. The publisher wanted me to do a book that was very much bottom shelf, you know, very much putting the cookies down on that bottom shelf so that anybody could pick it up as their first place to kind of get exposed to, oh, I, I, I can actually be a thinking person and try to, you know, learn some skills that will help me in reading the Bible. And that's that's what we hope to accomplish with this little book. I can really imagine a book like this working well in a local church community where a group of people could read this book together. So you talked about reading the Bible in community, and that's important. But even to get it started, to read a book like this in community and to sort of share the basics together and then move on from that to actually putting these ideas into practice. Yeah, I I think that's my hope, is that that's exactly what will happen. I have a friend named Chris Dolson who's now retired from being the lead pastor at Blackhawk Church in Madison, Wisconsin, which is a large church. It's actually the church out of which the Bible Project came. If people are familiar with what Tim Mackey and those guys are doing with the Bible Project, Tim was on staff there at Blackhawk before uh, the Bible Project got going. But Chris wrote me a couple of weeks ago and said, hey, I found my new textbook for our class He said, we offer a class twice a year on how to read the Bible in our church, and this is your book's going to be my new textbook. Um, that's That's the thing that just warms my heart, because that's what we need. Small group of people kind of going through and reading this a chapter at a time, dealing with the discussion questions that are at the end of each chapter, and then picking up some basic skills and basic tools that will help. So, if there are pastors that are listening out there, I would challenge you at least once a year, maybe twice a year, have a basic Bible reading class, how to read the Bible class, 
and either use this tool or find another tool that you feel like works well, but do, do something to help your people get some basic help in how to read the Bible more effectively. Oh, that's great, George. Well, I just want to say thank you for writing this book. I think it's going to help a lot of people. And thank you for joining us today to talk about it. We really appreciate it. Well, Bill, it's been a joy. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for listening. Check out more podcasts and subscribe to Faith Today magazine for free at faithtoday.ca. This podcast is produced by the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. If you enjoyed it, please rate or share it. 